This is episode 91 of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast, and I'm your host, John S. Tommy Rosen is the author of Recovery 2.0, Move Beyond Addiction and Upgrade Your Life. He is a yoga teacher with over two decades of experience with yoga, recovery, and wellness. He is the founder and host of the Recovery 2.0 Beyond Addiction online conference series and the hashtag MoveBeyond group coaching program. Tommy is a pioneer in the field of yoga and recovery who has helped thousands with a holistic approach to recovery from addictions of all kinds. It was an honor to have him on our podcast, and I hope you enjoy and benefit from the conversation. Uh, Thank you, Tommy, for being here. It's good to have you. My absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, John. As I was saying before uh, we got rolling here, um, your book came along at just the right time for me. I think I needed uh, an upgrade in my recovery. So thank you very much for writing this. Oh, thank you so much. And I, I'm not even sure I can claim that I wrote it. Sometimes I read it like written huge swaths of the book. It just came through. So I'm, I'm grateful. It was really nice to read because um, the honesty shown through in your own personal story. And there was a lot that I that I got out of that. You talked a little bit in your book about, you know, the nature of addiction and how you define addiction as basically just any behavior that we repeat what that has negative consequences that we we continue repeating it and i thought that was a really good definition do you want to talk about that a little bit sure it, it the the effort was well the realization was first that in connecting with people all over the world from different cultures uh across the united states people who would clearly say i have had encounter i have encountered addiction in my life i've i've felt it all the way to people who are like, no, I have no addictions whatsoever, and it's just not a part of my life. Every one of those people and everybody in between is subject to the human condition. And the human condition itself seems to include addiction on some level. So I'm trying to like, I'm seeing it as a spectrum. And over here on the far end of the spectrum are people like me who ended up getting into very severe drug addiction and, and have encountered many other addictions in, in our effort to recover. And then there's people over here who, who have never gotten into drugs or alcohol or, or you know, they have a couple glasses of wine and it's, it's not a problem for them. And, and uh, you know, their life is going pretty well, you know, things are going well for them. And yet they experience things like negative thinking. They experience things like self-doubt. You know, maybe they're 20 to 30 pounds overweight and they, they always kind of wanted to drop that weight, but they never really did. It didn't mean that their life imploded. It didn't mean that they were a food addict. It just means that they didn't seem to have the agency, the authority, the ability to do something that inside their heart and their soul were asking them to do. And I was like, well, even those people are addicted to a particular way of being or a particular mindset. And if they apply the principles of recovery, and I'm talking broad principles of recovery, Mm -hmm. they could experience a healing, a transformation. So I said, let's bring everybody under the same roof here. And that's why that definition, that's why that's such a broad definition of addiction. That makes total sense to me. And it's really what I experienced in 12-step recovery anyway, 
you know, in reading your book, and 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 as when we were when I was reading that part of it, I was thinking to myself, well, what addictions am I currently engaging in? And, and there are a few, but for me, I, I could see my problem was with diet, and something which is something that I that I would like to focus on as well. You also talked about the four aggravations, and the one the one that you wrote about that I found useful in my recovery was resentment. You want to talk about that a little bit about what resentment is and how that fuels our addiction and and why it's so important absolutely what what an important topic uh i just want to underline the importance of that by saying you know in the 12-step process or really any spiritual process we are asked to reflect upon our life experience that's just a part of the process you how do you learn and grow where you you look at what you've experienced you look at what is in front of you and what you're feeling and and you can navigate from an awareness of what's happening right now and what also has happened in the past. Resentment is an attachment to something that happened in the past. You feel it as something negative. It's uh, painful. It's uncomfortable. It could be anger. It could be um, a jealousy, uh, an envy. It could be a, a betrayal, a sense of being having been betrayed or a bitterness. But across the board, it's a very, very unpleasant sensation. And why would somebody choose to hang on to that? It, it, you would never choose to hang on to something like that if you understood the way that it was hurting you. So the old adage that we've, you know, we've thrown around in 12-step programs is uh, resentment is a, a, a cup of poison that you pour for somebody else to drink, but you end up drinking it yourself. And so resentment, uh, this attachment to the past, something has happened and it rubbed you the wrong way. And you've carried it for however many days, weeks, months, or years. And it's interesting that in the 12-step process, the fourth step, we're asked to do a personal inventory to look at our life. But we don't look at our life in terms of like plot points of what happened here, what happened there, or this happened to me then. No, we're asked to look back at our life through the lens of our resentments. And it's genius. This is a genius, genius process. And I, this is one of the things that I, I wish every human being had a chance to undergo this process. So powerful. And it's not about... It's not about religion, and it's mm -hmm. not about God, and it's not about even spirituality. It's just open your eyes, look within, and figure out where have you been holding on to negativity, which originated in the past, which obviously no longer serves you in the present. And so what a powerful thing uh, to, to look at those things, bring it to your awareness, and then go through a process where you could actually release some of that weight. Yeah, I think it was probably one of the more valuable tools that I learned um, in the recovery process. And it's still something that I use to this day. Um, I still can find myself, and I've been sober for 30 years and active in the program, but I can still find myself falling into resentment and kind of losing track. And it can get me in trouble sometimes, but I can always fall back on this inventory and, and look at look at these things and ask myself, why, why am I feeling this way? And you know, what, what, what do I need? What action do I need to take? So it saves my bacon quite a bit to have this process <laughs> in place to be able to do that. Yeah. And you know, I don't know, you know, prior to my recovery, if I was even aware of these things, I, I think that I think, and I wonder if there's a lot of people out there that might not even be aware that they carry resentment with them. And it's not until something painful happens where you need to take a look at that. Well, here's an interesting, an interesting thing that, that came to my mind as you were just saying that. Once you've gone through this process and you appreciate the process and it's been good to you and it's been good for you and you see the benefit, your relationships change, I think, immensely. 
not just because you're different, but all of a sudden you you want other people to also have done that level of work because it becomes more difficult to relate to somebody who is at a different level of honesty than you are. And I, it doesn't mean you're better or right. they're less. It just simply means that now the way that you look at things is trying to figure out what your side of the street is. And so if you encounter somebody who's not sort of on that same track, they might still be in the same uh, habit of blaming or right. complaining. And you're no longer in that habit. So you have compassion for it. You've been right. there and yes. you understand. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, God, I really want to relate to you on this more honest, more deeply honest place. And I'm willing to go there with you and look at it. And I'm willing to to, to own the parts of this challenge that I, that I have brought to the table. And I really, uh, so in a sense, as we get more sober, we become uh, more tolerant in one respect, but less tolerant in, in another respect. Right. And it is interesting, though, as you go through that process, you learn about yourself. And, and basically, what you're really learning is about human behavior. And you're learning about that this is common for all human beings react this way. I'm fortunate that I that I have this tool to use. Um, and recently, actually, my experience was similar to what you described. It was a work-related uh, situation. I was able to resolve my side of the street, see what I did. Yes. But um, at any rate, so going into your story a little bit, um, something that I found interesting about your story is that you talked about your addiction, but you started with the good times. You started with what you liked about the drug when you first got involved with it. And, you know, a lot of times we kind of leave that out. So, yeah. So you bring up a really important question. I recognize that I have believed different things at different times. I, I recognize that at points in my life, I have felt a certain kind of way. And at other points, I have felt differently. And yet, at each point in my life, I, it, it occurred to me that I, what I was believing and what I felt was correct. So at the time, you know, it was correct for me. There was a relevance um, to me smoking marijuana uh, in my teenage years. There was, there was a, it was a different time in a different place, in a different body, in a different consciousness, with different things going on and different feelings taking place. And I, what I had available to me to navigate my, the challenges of my life was marijuana. And it worked. For me now that for me is true it's also true that over time that solution didn't turn out to actually be a solution it, it was a temporary fix it was more like masking pain that um that needed a deeper fix that wasn't going to be able to do it so and it's further true that later on marijuana actually ended up hurting me and being hurtful to me and, and, and distracting me from things that I really needed to pay attention to. All of those things are true. All of those things are true. So at this point in my life, I, I honestly can tell you that I have no desire or thought or concern about marijuana. Right, <laughs> it's just, right, right. it's simply not, it's not relevant to me. You know, the other day I was taking a hike with my wife, just this very important, relevant story here. And I, I, I went, I came upon uh, the home of, of some friends of mine. And I, I, I recognized their home. I hadn't been there, um, but I saw them and I heard their music and I was like, oh my God, I think those are my friends. And I went in and, and there they were and they were planting, you know, marijuana. Like they're just planting it all over their property because they're in that business and it's legal here, right, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and there I was amongst all these marijuana plants and it was an interesting like moment for me, you know, at 50, almost 51 years old, mm -hmm. 26 years sober. And here I was with these people who were like, you know, 
it looks good on them. Let's <laughs> yeah. put it that way. Like it looks good on them. Right. Like, they're like their life is not imploding. They're they're vibrant and active and healthy people and, and they and they happen to imbibe in marijuana and that's part of their life. But I sat there among these plants and I was like, wow, I'm just so grateful not to be in that world. I'm just like like I really I, I my life is so clearly one of meditation, one of yoga, mm-hmm. one of self-reflection, one of health and wellness and all the recovery 2.0 work and the service that I like to do. And like, I just don't feel like I'm missing anything. That would not have been the case when I first got sober. When I first got sober, that would have been a real problem for me to come upon people planting marijuana. And I would have been like, oh, oh my God, like I wouldn't <laughs> have been able to get it off my mind. And, and I might have relapsed around that, that, very, that very fact. So it's interesting how we change. So I hope that helps to, to answer the question. I, I, I would be lying to you if I said that marijuana never had a use in my life. Right. And, and I don't want to lie to you. And by the way, I don't want to lie to teenagers either. I want them to understand that they're, you know, at a certain point this worked for me, but at a certain point it really didn't. Yeah, that really is important because we do. Um, I remember as a kid, I, I got the message, you know, that um, I was going to be jumping out of a window or something like, you know, and it, it doesn't happen. It's like, oh, this isn't true. Yes. Yes. But so, it's more subtle than that. Yes. It's, it's, it's very, it's very, I think we have to be rigorously honest with ourselves as well that, you know, I, if I, if I tried to paint a picture of, you know, marijuana is just simply, bad. This is a bad and terrible thing that only leads to terrible places. I don't believe that, but I believe that for me and that maybe for you and anyone who's listening to this, you know, you have to ask yourself this question. How do you want to spend your life? How do you want to spend your time? If you eat a piece of chocolate cake and every time you eat that cake, it makes you feel bloated and tired and a little bit stressed and a little bit guilty. Maybe you should reflect upon whether or not that cake should be a part of your life anymore. And that's where it got to with me and marijuana. And, and thank God that I had the support of the 12 steps and therapists and sponsors and teachers and yoga and meditation mm-hmm. to help me develop myself into a person that could have incredible joy and connection and love in a life of freedom yeah. from any kind of substance. You had a really good experience with your treatment program. I, I like the story because I could identify with it. Your um, addiction really progressed, and you went out to California to spend some time with your father, and you got cleaned up, and uh, were doing well, and you went back to Colorado to go to school and relapsed. You, In a conversation with your father, he was picking up on this idea that you had relapsed, and he and it brought him to tears. Was that the bottom that got you to finally say, I give up? Mm. That was the moment of truth for me. I like to reframe the, the idea of a bottom uh, as just being the moment when a person is ready to tell the truth. And that was the moment for me. And uh, yeah, my father's tears just, just broke my heart open. Yeah. And uh, I could see for a minute uh, through his eyes what, what was ha- had been happening to me and, and that, that something was going to have to happen. And so I, I, just, I just was so heartbroken over his being heartbroken that I, I was like, look, dad, I will, I will get help. Mm-hmm. I will get some help. And that was the big turning point. When I read that, it, it was moving to me because I had a similar experience, which I have recounted here before, 
Um, in my particular case, I'd been sober for a few months, and I was approaching my father for the first time to let him know that I was an alcoholic. And his reaction to that was he broke down in tears and started pouring bottles of booze down the sink. And it was stunning for me to see that because at that moment, I realized how he loved me and how I hurt him. But the good news is over time we had we were able to repair that relationship. But yeah, a very powerful moment, I thought, in, in your book. Then you talk about, and I really like this, and this is what I think is so important for people like me and maybe maybe others, is um, you talked about recovery 1.0. And then you talked about the 12 steps as a foundation to build on. Mm. And you talked about, um, you wrote about rather, how we evolve in our recovery. And this is something that I've, that I've experienced. Can you talk about that evolution a little bit and how maybe um, we have different needs at different times in our recovery? Yes, it's a great, great question and important topic. Uh, not enough is, is said about this idea of evolution through recovery and different stages. Uh, the reason it's important is very simply, like, wouldn't it be useful to know when you're, you know, three months sober and someone could come to you and say, look, what, what our experience has been in recovery is that things change. Right now, we're going to ask that you go to a meeting every day. And the reason we do that is because we're helping you to create a new routine, a new habit, you know, build a new habit into your life that's healthful that brings you around people, keeps you from being secretive and alone and stuck in, in your head. All that makes sense. Also, it'd be helpful that for someone to say to you, and you may not need that always. It may not, you may have different needs later on. That's helpful because number one, it, it says to the person, okay, I can handle that this is a right now thing. The idea at the beginning, at least for me, that I was going to have to go to a meeting every day for the rest of my life, or even the suggestion of that, or the suggestion that if you started to get away from meetings that you would somehow you would just relapse. Mm -hmm. That was what was coming down the pipe. That's a difficult prospect for anyone to handle. That, that is to say that it might bounce somebody out right. of this program rather than keep them centered. Also, it's just good to know that, you know, I wish someone had told me, you know, codependency and challenge in relationships is something that everyone in addiction experiences. And at some point, you're going to have to learn and grow and go through that codependency portal mm -hmm. part of your recovery. Mm -hmm. I, I really wish somebody had told me yeah. that. I didn't know that was coming. It, it sideswiped me so so painfully and so difficult, so much difficulty. Thank God I stayed sober, and thank God. Uh, uh, I mean, I took a good ass whooping around that stuff, but I stayed sober and was able to learn and grow through it. So yeah, different people need different things at different times. At the beginning, when you're trying to change any behavior, no matter what it is. If it's ingrained in you, it's ingrained because you've, you've done this behavior over and over. Simply to create change in your life, adopt another behavior and repeat that over and over. And let that behavior, the new behavior, be an upgrade to the old behavior. That's called positive personal evolution. Now you're on, you're on the path of, of learning and growing and transforming in a positive direction for yourself. Um, for example, you know, why do people say 90 meetings in 90 days? It's the same thing. It's like, well, you were doing drugs for 90 days, the last 90 days, or drinking for the last 90 days. Now we're going to do something else. You were staying alone in your apartment on the couch watching TV and, and doing drugs and alcohol for the last 90 days. Now we're going to do something else. So we're just switching a routine and we're ingraining it into the body and into the brain, right. literally, in the neural, creating new neural pathways and new habits. And while you're doing those new habits, you're also meeting people 
And so you're getting connected with people. And so there's a sense of, of a community that's taking place, which is very supportive to recovery. And you start to develop the capacity to see a, uh, a new way of living from what has been. You know, first five years in my recovery, I dedicated myself to the 12 steps. Dedicated, you know, meetings every day or most every day, uh, going out, you know, talking to people, uh, going to coffee at night, being around sober people all the time, mm-hmm. uh, reading out of the book, doing all steps, uh, doing multiple multiple sessions of the 12 mm-hmm. steps, going to big book studies, like really, really invested myself in learning what those steps had to offer. And uh, it served me in the biggest way. And then after those five years, um, it's not like I blew off the 12 steps, certainly not. It's just that my needs and my life changed. I started to have bigger responsibilities at work. I started to to travel and, and to do different things and my life grew in in, in, um, in life force and, and power. And in, I mean that in the best way. And I might not have been able to get to a meeting every day. And maybe I was only going to four meetings a week, but I was going to the gym and I was making my therapy appointments. So I had right. a new therapist by this point, and we were exploring different things in life. Relationships were, were being very challenging for me at that point. So I was looking there. And so it was shifting. Now at 26 years old, you know, uh, 26 years sober, I hit, I hit, I have a, a home group meeting that I love. I have, uh, I still, I work with therapists. I work with yoga teachers. I work with nutritionists. I work on relationships. I work, I, I still work on all my stuff because I right. love it. I wouldn't choose to be anywhere else, but it's not, it's not out of like, if I don't do this, I'm going, you know, I'm going to relapse or I'm going to die or I'm going, it's just, this has now become my life. It's so joyful. I understand what my purpose is. I understand what I am. I understand who I am. And I, I understand that this is very temporary. Like even this is going to change. Right, right. You know, right. five years, if we have this conversation in five years from now, God willing, I'll be 31 years sober. And you'll you'll ask me again and I'll say, oh, God, all that stuff when I was 26. Like, oh, forget it. It's completely different again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm so glad to um, have that understanding now because I, <clears throat> I actually had that experience uh, 25 years of sobriety. And then I had a big shift in my perception of the program. And, and it was a good thing for me, but um, what I was doing at the time I was having the shift, I said, well, my old way and what I did was, was wrong or bad, but that's not true. I was a different person then, and what I was doing at that time was what I needed to do at that, that time. I'm curious, Tommy, did you get into practicing yoga fairly early on in your recovery, and has that always been an important component of your recovery? Um, I am fortunate to say that I walked into a yoga studio and began a relationship with yoga uh, in my in in the first year of recovery. Okay. My relationship with yoga at that point was very physical, uh, which was necessary for mm-hmm. me. I did not approach it with great awareness, mindfulness, mm-hmm. uh, with a teacher guiding me, and I flailed around a little bit for the first ten to twelve years. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, so I practiced here and there, in and out, now and then, sometimes for long like bursts, like 30 days in a row, mm-hmm. 60 days in a row, and other times it was just sort of whenever I could get there. I hadn't been trained. I hadn't taken a training. What I knew about yoga was what I had learned in classes that I went to, but I hadn't been to workshops, and I hadn't really been involved at that level. And then when my I reached what I call the third bottom, 
in my recovery, I reached a third bottom, which was really around um, relationships and money. So codependency and then money and, and gambling and, and, and money-related addictions and yep. pain there. That bottom resulted in, in a, a near, nearly sort of paralysis state yeah. in my back. Yeah, I was going to say, terrible chronic pain you had. Unbelievable. Um, and I lived in that pain for the better part of a year, pretty sure that I had somehow something had happened to me. Didn't know, I couldn't understand it at that time. I was about 35 years old and I was just, uh, I was just in pain wow. all the time. Couldn't, couldn't do my athletics, couldn't, couldn't really, I was just in pain. And uh, that brought me to my knees mm-hmm. and, and it brought me to a level of humility and openness. And I, I met my teacher, my right. current teacher, um, Guru Prem, uh, out of that experience. And he showed me how to heal the body. He showed me how to heal stress. He showed me and painted a picture of a deeper level of recovery that I'd never, I'd never been able to imagine, much less reach in my life. And uh, so I started to do the things that he asked me to do, which had a lot to do with yoga. And did he, is he the, did he recommend for you the, um, which this is the part I found really fascinating, the um, uh, digestive um, cleansing that actually helped remove that pain? So that was not not his recommendation. Okay. That that was something that Kia, my wife, and I had decided to do. We had been researching and hearing quite a bit about the importance of digestive tract yeah. health. And this was, you know, 2003, uh, mm. 2004, the beginning of 2004. And we, we did this extreme cleanse. We really, really went there. Uh, and uh, we did it for 30 days. And from the top to the bottom, we cleaned out and, right. and completely, utterly let go of every kind of processed food or sugar or the only source of sugar that we really brought into our body uh, was, were, were apples. Okay. Um, and then, of course, you're getting some, some very, very small amount of sugar from vegetables, but mm-hmm. 100% raw, 100, like, and at the end, you weren't, you weren't eating at all. It was just, just juices for the last seven days. And... Um, when that was over, somewhere in there, my back pain went away. That's amazing. And I, I, I have never looked back. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 there's many reasons why I feel that took place. But we, we are now, flash forward 14 years, what we now understand about the importance of gut health and gut biome is there is a direct connection between your thoughts and what's going on in your gut, your level of vitality, your level of immunity, the level of addiction in your life is directly related to what is going on in your gut. And there'll come a time in the next 20 years when this is so proven and so clear to people that they will look back on this time and they will, they will look at people in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings uh, eating cupcakes and yeah. cakes and cookies and, <clears throat> and drinking coffees and teas packed with sugar and, and they will say, oh my God, they had no idea what they were doing. Oh my God, they didn't realize that they were making their recovery harder. Yeah, actually they are, yeah, with the sugar especially. Um, yeah, and that's not a, that's not a, a, a condemnation. <clears throat> no. It's just being somebody who's really struggled with sugar in their life, I really understand that that weakened my system and stress weakened my system. And those forces came together and created a tension pattern in my back that was debilitating and over time became incredibly painful and almost paralyzed me. And I was able to heal from it. 
No, I thought I found that really inspiring. Um, it's kind of what I'm looking at in my own life right now is is diet, and I've I've done different things and and exercise and so forth. And the thing that um, I'm missing that I'm going to try to implement with with your help, I think, is um, uh, meditation as a regular practice to help mm. keep me on track with those with those other things. Yes. And um, you talk about like there are like three key things I think that you talked about in your book um, about recovery 2.0, and that would be you know practicing yoga, meditating, and diet. Yes. Like, and that's kind of what. I think I'm missing from my recovery and a lot of people out there might be missing are, are implementing those things. And the one, one thing that I find really hard about doing that is uh, how I manage time. And, um, I'm thinking that meditation is a, is a good tool for that. Uh, without question. Uh, I, I want to talk about that. I, I would, I would say a shameless pitch for our membership community. Mm-hmm. Now we have members, uh, thousands of, of people who come every day to look at the meditation videos and the yoga videos um, and to connect with each other each week in our membership at r20.com. Yep. And it's uh, it's it's 100 bucks for a year, um, incredibly affordable. And there's, I don't know, at this point, probably 500 hours of interview, lectures, and uh, different practices that you can do just every day that will yeah, help you. I signed you. up for it, actually. I'm so glad. <laughs> Um, so please take advantage of the meditations that are mm-hmm. there and the yoga classes that are there. Um, you asked about time. So human beings struggle in this way. People who have a hard time with addiction or whose lives have been touched by addiction, they struggle particularly uh, when it comes to time. We spoke a little bit about it at the beginning when we talked about resentment. And we talked about how resentment is located in the past somewhere. Its, it's root is not, and obviously it can't be in the future because the future hasn't come yet. Um, so something you experienced before is pulling you back there, is pulling you back there. And so our challenge is to relate to the one place where we can actually heal, the one place where we can actually connect, the one place where we can actually grow, the one place where we can actually live and experience life fully. And that's the present moment. To be in resentment is to be lost in time and space. You're literally lost. You don't know it. But you are. What are you lost from? You're lost from your own presence. You're lost from your own awareness of this moment, of yourself here now. What is the problem? You ask anybody, what is the problem? Well, you just don't understand. Like this person, like they, you know, they just, they just, my father, my mother, my, you know, my cousin, my children, uh, my, my colleagues at work, you know, work, the, the system, the president, the political system, the blah, blah, blah. Like, all this is wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's all wrong, it's all, you know, it's too much for me. And so I'm pissed off about it. And it's like, well, take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath for a minute. So in that moment, there's just you and the breath. And all that other stuff is just all that other stuff. In point of fact, it has no relevance whatsoever when it comes to you here and now. What's going on, the purpose of my life right now is to talk to you, John. And I'm doing it to the best of my ability. I'm bringing awareness to it. Here we are. I get it. We're talking, we're conversing. This is what's going on. We're investigating topics, we're looking at things, and, and we're, 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 we're creating words from memory and words from presence and words from who we are. That's what's going on right now. I'm not hung up about this or that or the other thing. But in the habit, 
the almost perpetual habit that people have of being up here in unconsciousness, in subconsciousness, worried, anxious, stressed, like mm-hmm. I used to be, then there's no freedom. Yeah. We're stuck We're stuck in time and space. We're stuck in the past when st- we're, we're worried about the future. We're worried about the future because the past is, is plaguing us. <laughs> yeah. So if we do not develop a relationship with our own presence, then we'll forever repeat this experience and it will, it will be unpleasant. We will not feel that we're living a full life. And that is a tragedy, especially yeah. if, you're, if you're sober. Like you can be here, you can be, <laughs> you can be sober and miserable. We've all, we've all been there. Well, it's amazing how reading a book like this will inspire me to do things that I know that um, are helpful to me. I've practiced meditation in the past and and have benefited from it greatly. I've exercised and, and so forth, and I just kind of gotten out of that. And so um, I, you know, it was kind of funny. I was just going through this kind of a stagnant period of my life where I'm just, I'm doing podcasts and I'm just worn down. I'm drinking coffee all the time. And, and I read this wonderful book and I'm like, wow, yeah, I should pay attention to how I'm eating and all the stuff I'm putting in my body and, and Mm. have a little bit more balance in my life. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Thank you for saying so. Why don't we conclude and you, can you tell us just a little bit about the Recovery 2.0 community, about your website, about the seminars, about all of that that you do that I'm just learning about and really find interesting? Sure. Thank you. Well, I, I just want to comment on what you said just a moment ago about <laughs> how you feel like you fell into, you know, you fell off of your routines yes. and off of what, yeah. you know, because uh, it, it, it's exactly what the community is all about. Uh, the, the thing that I would say to you, as I say to everybody, and, and the, what we encourage each other, the community to say to each other is, okay, now what? You know, um, there's no shame in falling off a routine. In fact, the fact that you caught it, and you can even say with awareness, oh, I noticed that I've fallen off a routine that I would like to get back into. Yeah. That has to be the first step before you can actually get back into it. So um, we, we, will, we help each other to bring routines and a steadiness into our life that nets really positive results. Not just are people staying sober, but if they fall off their routines, people are there to help them and support them into getting back on. Sometimes people will relapse. Of course, it's part of the human deal. It's part of, you know, and what, what, what we do in those cases is we surround that person with love and support. How can we help? Don't go into a shame place. Don't, don't let shame take this thing over. There's something to be learned here. It's really okay. We understand and we love you. And let's get you back into the routines and the mindset that's going to help you to, to take little steps and move forward and, and be able to make some progress. So that's what I would say um, to you, John, is don't, don't worry. You're right on time. Uh, you're not late. It's perfect. And, and, um, yeah, just one act, one action, one action that you can take each day. Yep. One action, and uh, and that's for. And I say this to myself every morning when I wake mm-hmm. up and I do my morning practice. Mm-hmm. Good for you, Tommy. Just do this today. Give your give yourself this gift today. Yeah. No one else is going to give this to you today. Yeah, give yourself the gift of of a morning practice. Uh, that's what I say to myself. And um, and when I complete the morning practice, the day is already victorious. Um, it doesn't mean it's not going to be a a day that where challenges might come, but my ability to navigate those challenges will be greatly enhanced uh, when I've given myself that little gift of the morning practice. So in our community, we have made these morning practices available to everybody in video form. So you open your computer and you literally, you log in and you just 
choose a practice and you do the practice along with me. And practices, they vary from 15 minutes to 30. There's some 45 and some hour long practices for if you have more time that day. There's no pressure. There's no, there's no falling off or right. like, you know, it, it, you just do, you do it because you start to really enjoy it and get some momentum that way. Another routine that we uh, encourage people is to join us on Monday nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every Monday night we have a live presentation. It's either myself or another teacher from a variety of disciplines uh, presenting for one hour on Monday night, every Monday of the entire year. So we never, we never miss that. That's 5 p.m. Pacific time Monday. And if someone in Europe or Australia, for example, can't make it, we record everything and we make it available immediately. So awesome. they can watch it the next day. Just being able to stay in a flow like that is, is very, very powerful for, for, it strengthens your recovery. And it's, we're also having a lot of fun and, and learning a lot together. Mm-hmm. So that's enjoyable. So, so that you've got that. And then you have, you know, we've now done 10 conferences. Our 10th one is coming up June 6th through the 10th. It's completely free. It's online. And all you do is register for the conference. And oh. you, can, you can watch five, or actually six videos every day for five days. All of our members get all of the all of that, that content for free, mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. It's just available in our site. So all 10 conferences that we've done, that's now that's 250 hours <laughs> of that's interviews uh, are there in our library. And they're, they're incredible interviews from doctors and scientists and recovery experts and yoga teachers and nutrition coaches and all, all amazing people. So that's a, another part of our membership. That's and, fantastic. And, but that, the conference that's coming up, it is free. You don't have to join our membership. You just, you go to r20.com okay. forward slash conference and people can sign up there for free. And then we have coaching programs later in the year, which are, are eight week experiences that I guide people through. Um, and and uh, this year, very exciting. This might be interesting to you. We're doing our first food course. Oh, ever. cool. <laughs> so this is going to be a, a four week immersion uh to learn how to how to shop how to prepare how to eat how to digest how to renew your relationship with food so i'm yeah. very excited about that very good very good yeah. well thank you again so much it was very kind and generous of you to take your time and spend it with me i think that this is a book that our community is going to enjoy um, I know that some um, people that listen to our podcast and go to our website already um, are members of the Recovery 2.0 community. So that's pretty nice. So thank you, Tommy. I really, I really appreciate this. I really do. Thank John, you so much. Keep doing your great work. And uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you have your wonderful organization. And it's such an important uh, voice in, in this recovery world. So keep rocking it. And All thank right. you for having me. All right. Thank you very much. Well, that concludes this episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. As always, if you would like to support the AA Beyond Belief website and podcast, you can do so by making a small monthly recurring contribution at our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash Belief. To learn more about Recovery 2.0 and Tommy Rosen, just Google Recovery 2.0 and you will learn all about it. Thanks again, folks.